it is at our service. But Allah SWT says in the Quran al-Kareem, قُلْ مَتَاءُ الدُّنْيَا That say the stuff of the dunya is kalil. Because Allah SWT loved us, even though He gave us the entire dunya at our feet, He called it kalil, or He called it small, He called it minute. And in contrast, the small ibadah, the small acts of worship that we do, even the limited amount of dhikr, the limited amount that we remember Allah SWT that we offered to Him, how did Allah describe our ibadah? How did He describe our zikr? He said, وَالذَّاكِرِينَ اللَّهَ كَثِيرًا وَالذَّاكِرَاتِ That those who remember Allah kathir abundantly. So it means Allah loves us because the thing that He gave us the entire dunya, He called it small. And that which we gave Him, we are His beloved. That which we gave Him, although it was very small, a limited amount of zikr, He chose to call it kathir. So Shaykh Bayezid Bustami Rahimahullah wrote that this is a sign that Allah loves us. In fact, anybody who has iman, he immediately makes himself worthy of being the beloved of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why Allah said in the Quran, Allahu waliyu alladhina amanu. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala That those who believe, they become the friends of Allah, because they took iman. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, no. That if you become a person of iman, not simply will you be my friend, but Allahu waliyu alladhina amanu, that Allah himself says that he will become our wali. And another place Allah says, Wallahu waliyamu'mineen. So this kind Lord, this generous Lord who invites us to love Him, who gives us so much love in return, it makes us think that we should also reflect, do we really love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in our heart? Are we amongst those people who Allah describes in Quran that they are mad, passionate lovers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Or have we filled our hearts with the love for Ghairullah? Have we filled our hearts for the love of beings other than Allah? Have we filled our hearts with the love for this dunya? Our Mishayik says that there are two types of lovers. One they call the Ashik Ihsani. Ashik comes from Ishq, which means love. Ashik Ihsani means that that person loves Allah SWT only when Allah sends his Ihsan, only when Allah sends his blessings, his bounties upon him. In other words, he only loves Allah in good times. And if anything bad happens to him, if he has any test, if he has any difficulty, he immediately pulls back. You don't see him in the masjid. You say, oh brother, I haven't seen you in the masjid. He says, oh, I'm going through a tough time. I'm having a tough time in my business. Make the offer me so I can come back. It means that the second Allah shakes up his life, the second Allah tests his iman, he pulls back, he loses his ibadah, he doesn't have stability, he doesn't have perseverance, he doesn't have istiqamah. Even this armishayk have opened up. And all of you know, Allah SWT, sometimes he sent worries, he sends difficulties upon us as a punishment for our sins in this world. And sometimes Allah SWT sends difficulties upon us, worries upon us to draw us closer to Him. So how do you know? How do you know when Allah sends a worry your way, is this a punishment for my sin? Or is Allah using this to draw me closer to Him? So this is the beauty of our Mashaq to explain these things to us. That they reveal these inner secrets or the ways of Allah SWT. So they teach us that if some difficulty comes into your life, if some worry comes into your life, then just look at the state of your deen. If you go down in your ibadah, if you're unable to concentrate in your salah, if you no longer wish to make ibadah, if you used to wake up for fajr, now you sleep through fajr because you feel you're sad or depressed. If you used to make dua to Allah, now you feel, you tell people that make dua for me, Allah doesn't listen to my duas. If you get depressed and distant from Allah, 
it means that that worry, that trial, that affliction came as a punishment for your sins. But if in contrast, if Allah tests you with something, you turn to Him, you do rujur, inaba, you incline back towards Him. Before you used to pray five times a day, not because of your difficulty, because of your worry, you rise up in the night and pray tahajjud. Before you used to read little Qur'an, now you read more Qur'an. You fast extra, you spend in the way of Allah. You truly in your heart view that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will solve your problem. So if your ibadah goes up in the time of difficulty, it means that Allah sent that worry to draw you closer to Him. And if your ibadah goes down in the time of difficulty, you should know that Allah sent that worry as a punishment in this world for your sins. Now the beauty of this is now that we know this, so we can act accordingly. What does that mean? That if ever we feel we have a tough time in our life, then we should force ourselves to do more ibadah. We should think that, Oh Allah, you have sent this difficulty upon me. If I become lazy, if I become depressed, if I become sad, if I become distant from you, then that means this worry will just be a punishment for my sins. So now that I've heard from my elders, from my mashayikh, that if we increase in our ibadah, it means that this worry is a means of drawing closer to you. So Ya Allah, even though I'm so weak, I cannot handle this difficulty. I'm not strong enough to face this test, but I will increase in my ibadah. I will turn towards you. Even if I'm feeling lazy, I will force myself to turn towards you. Inshallah, if the believer controls his self, if he steps on his nafs and takes a step towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah will send his rahmah, his mercy and his beneficence towards him. Our Mashaikh writes that there are three reasons that a person normally loves any being, any person, anything in life. The first reason is because something is beautiful. Because as you all know, human beings are attracted to beauty. Whether it's human beauty, whether it's a beautiful scene like you have here in Cape Town overlooking the ocean, whether it is a beautiful flower, people enjoy to decorate their houses in a beautiful manner. Bottom line, human beings are attracted to beauty. In fact, human beings fall in love with those things that are beautiful. So one sheikh used to say that a woman taught me Tawheed. And they would say, what do you mean? How is it that a woman taught you Tawheed? And he said that once I was sitting and a woman, she came, she was, in, she was veiled, and she, she said that, oh sheikh, I want you to write me a ruling that my husband cannot marry another wife. And he said, well, what do you mean? And she said, Shaykh, my husband, he wants to marry another wife, so I want you to give me a legal ruling to say it's haram, it's prohibited, it's forbidden for him to marry another wife. So he said, oh, my sister, oh, my daughter, I cannot do that for you because, you know, in Quran, Allah has said that under certain circumstances, a man can marry another wife. So she took a cold breath and she sighed. And she said, Shaykh, the Sharia forbids me from revealing my beauty to you. But, oh, Shaykh, if I could show you my beauty and you could see how a beautiful woman Allah has made you me, you yourself would write the ruling that a man with a wife this beautiful should not be allowed to take another wife. So that sheikh said that this woman taught me beauty because I thought that this woman, she had been given a drop out of the ocean of beauty. But just out of that drop, she feels that nobody else should share with her. That it should not, her husband does not have the right to even think or even look in another woman's direction so what must be the state of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the creator of beauty himself? How must he think that, no, how can my servant look at something he isn't supposed to look at? How can my servant share his heart with some being other than me? So Allah is the creator of all beauty. So my friends, if you love anything because it is beautiful, 
that it is only natural, it is only pure that we love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the most beautiful of all beings, the creator of all beauty itself. In fact, one other shaykh asked the students, that what is the meaning of Tawheed? And they said that Tawheed means that only Allah, Allah is the sole being worthy of worship. And he said, no, that's not the meaning of Tawheed. The meaning of Tawheed is not that Allah is the sole being of worship. The meaning of Tawheed is that you solely worship Allah. There's a very fine distinction here. One is in our mind to say, yes, Allah is the only being worthy of worship, but in our hearts to worship the dunya or to love the world or to love people or, or to love strange women or to love wealth or to love anything other than Allah or to follow something because society says to do it or to do something because culture says to do it or to do something because our family pressures us to do it. So true Tawheed means not simply to acknowledge with your mind that there is no being or Allah is the sole being worthy of worship but for yourself practically to solely worship Allah. For yourself in your heart to solely uh, to only to exclusively love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second reason of the three reasons why a person normally falls in love with any being or any entity is that because that person has given you a lot. So if somebody does a lot for you, if you had a teacher, you had a parent who did so much for you, you had a friend who always helps you out, who has given you so many things, so it's only natural, it's a human reaction to love that being that does so much for you. So if we love any person because of that reason, so imagine how much we must love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how much Allah has done for us. We are just drowning in the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If He did not give us sight, we would be blind. If He did not give us hearing, today we would be, be deaf. If He did not give us the power of speech, we would be mute and dumb. If He did not give us health, we would be sick. If He had not given us honor, we would have been disgraced. We are living and drowning in the bounties of Allah. So if you love anything or are attracted to anything because of what it has given you, then just think how much love you must have for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The third reason I say is because any being that has the power to help you, anybody who ha any being that has the ability to take you out of your tough time, it's only natural to love that being, or to turn to that being, or to depend on that being, because you know that that being has the power to solve your problems. That being has the problem to ease your worries. That being has the ability to change the winter of your heart into spring, so all my friends, if you love anything for that reason, that it has the ability to help you, that it has the power to help you out, then it is only natural that you should love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it means even a rational thinking person, let alone a pious Muslim believer, would come to the conclusion that a person should have the deep love for Allah, what Allah has stated in the Quran, وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَشَّدُّهُمْ اللَّهِ That those who believe are extreme in the love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now how does one increase in this love? Because if we look in our hearts, we'll have to be honest and say we don't feel this deep love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't yearn for Him. They say that the lover loves to be alone with the beloved. And this was the characteristic of the Sahaba. That's why they used to be up in the night in worship. Not just the men Sahaba, the female Sahaba. Once it came to saying the Fatima radiallahu anha, it was a summer night, which means a short night, and after Isha, shortly after Isha, she stood up to pray two rakats. And she started praying and reciting Qur'an, so much Qur'an, 
that she prayed those two rakats all the way to Sahur, all the way till dawn, and then when she saw that it was about to be time for Fajr, so she finished up her prayer, and she made dua at the end, that, Oh Allah, why is it that you have made the night so short? There is not enough time for your worship. That is how the lover feels about their beloved. Don't we feel that way when we meet a friend after so long? Imagine if you meet a long lost friend, and you only have 30 minutes with him. Those 30 minutes will pass like this, at the end of 30 minutes, in the depths of your heart, you wish you had more time with him. Is that how we feel in our salah? That the second salah is over, we feel sad. We wish we could have extended our salah. We wish we could have had more time with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All you have to do to check your love for Allah is to look at your salah. In fact, another one of our mashayikh, Sheikh Ahmed Sahindir, said a very strange thing. He said that the rewards in the akhirah, the rewards in the next life, will correspond to the level of your ibadah in this life. And he said the punishments in the next life will correspond to the type of sin that you did in this life. So he said that one of the blessings in Jannah is that we get the ru'ya, we get to see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We get to gaze upon the beloved. This comes as a clear in Quran and Hadith. Now there will be some people in Jannah who get to see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala once. There will be some people in Jannah who get to see Allah Ta'ala ten times, a hundred times. And there will be some extremely noble, special, blessed people that whenever they want, they can just think of Allah, they can just look up and they can see Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala as many times as they want. So once the Sahaba asked the Prophet Muhammad that, Oh, Messenger of Allah, if all of us are going to see Allah, then how will we see if all of us are looking? Won't one of us get in the way of the other? How will we look over one another's shoulders? So the Prophet Muhammad said, it happened to be a question that took place at night, he said that, why don't you look up at the moon? And then the Sahaba looked up at the moon, and he said, are any of you blocking any other from looking at the moon? And the Sahaba said, no. And he said, even if there were ten times as many of you here, would anybody block anybody looking at the moon? And the Sahaba said, no. And he said, just like that, the people of Jannah, not, not, neither one will block the other from seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They will see Allah in all His resplendent glory, just as today you are seeing the moon. But Shaykh Ahmed Sahindi writes that there will be some people who see Allah without any veils. There will be some people who see Allah through some veils. And that will depend on a person's salah. That person who in his salah was able to think only about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he will see Allah without any veil. And that person who in his salah was able, unable to think about Allah had thoughts that distracted him. Regularly, he was distracted in his salah he thought of things other than Allah. So as much of ghair Allah that he thought in his salah, he'll have as many veils between him and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Jannah. So it means that this world is a practice place. This world is the ground for which we develop this love for Allah in our hearts. And if you think about it, what pleasure is there in life other than this love? It is only because we have tasted the pleasures of the world that we don't know about the love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you should know that if anybody has fallen into some sin, or if anybody has fallen into the pleasures of this world, there's only one thing that can take you out of that, and that is if you taste the pleasure of the intimacy of Allah. Only something greater can take you out. Otherwise, we will be lost in a rut, we will continue in our sins, we won't understand how to get rid of our sins. The month of Ramadan will come, and we'll pray, Ya Allah, help us to stop that special sin that we do. Help us to stop that 1%, last 1% of sins that we're still doing. And Ramadan goes, we still can't do it. People will go for Hajj and come back and still be lost in sin. Why? 
because they cannot give up the pleasures of this world until they get a greater pleasure in their life. And that greater pleasure is the pleasure of feeling close and intimate to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Just look in Quran how generous and how kind Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. If Allah wanted to, He could have just created us, sent the Quran, sent the Sunnah, and said, I will leave you to your own devices. We'll deal with you on the Day of Judgment. But no. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not pull back like that. He said, Huwa ma'akum ayna ma'akuntum. That no, my beloved servant, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with you wherever you may be. He has given you the gift of his ma'iyah, his companionship. Look at this noble mercy. How many of us want to be friends with somebody or be companions with someone or give our ma'iyat, be united with someone who is dirty, who is smelly, who is filthy, who is rude, who doesn't listen to us, who disobeys us. None of us even want to see that person for a second. In fact, if you find out if I told you that so-and-so said something bad about you, you would say, oh, I don't want to see that person's face ever. I don't even want to see his face. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Arhamar Rahimeen, the most merciful of the merciful ones, what did he say? Huwa ma'akum aina ma'akuntum. That Allah is with you wherever you may be. He's with you when you're in the masjid. He's with you when you're at home. He's with you when you're in the workplace. He's with you when you're in a state of purity. He's with you when you're in a state of impurity. He's with you when you remember Him. He's with you when you are forgetful of Him. He's with you when you're worshipping Him. And He's even with you when you are sinning against Him. Just waiting for you to turn to Him in repentance. More than that, in case anybody thought that, okay, Allah is with me. But who knows how close He is? Who knows what that means that He's with me? So Allah said another thing in the Quran. That know that we are closer to you than your own crowded artery, than your own jugular vein. It means, O servants of Allah, that Allah is closer to you than your own self. He is more intimate with you than your own being. That's how close Allah is with you. It's almost like He's inside of you. That's how close it is. Because your hablul warid, that's something that's inside of you. So He's closer to you than your own internal organs. What a rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ya Allah. Us, your sinning servants, your dirty and your filthy servants, you choose to become so close to us, even closer than our own selves. And then Allah SWT took it another step. Remember me. It would have been enough to command us that. That servants, remember Allah SWT. He said, And I will remember you. What is our hasiya? What is our reality? that the great, the almighty being, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He remembers us, that He said in Quran, أَذْكُرُكُمْ that I will remember you. And what do we have to do for that? All we have to do is remember Him. He didn't say drop everything in the world, leave everything, give all your money for the deen, quit everything. No. If you in your heart sit in a corner and just remember Allah for one minute, فَذْكُرُونِ Allah subhanahu will remember you immediately, أَذْكُرُكُمْ Look at the rahmah of this Lord. Look at the mercy of this Lord. But we have still left His ways. We still disobey Him. We are still distant from Him. We don't even desire to be close to Him. We don't even wish to love Him. That's why Allah was forced to say in Quran. Or Allah, Allah Himself chose to say in Quran. Ya ayuhal insan ma'allaka birabbikal kareem. That O oh, humanity, what has deceived you about your kind, generous Lord? What has made you betray yourself in your relationship with this Lord? What has made you pull back 
from this kind and loving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allahu waliyyullin amanu yukhrijuhum min zulumati illa nur the one who is ready and waiting and wants to take you out from every darkness into light our Messiah teaches that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not create us to put us into hell he did not create us to make us sin Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants nothing more than to give us everlasting happiness and then to give us jannah and that's why he sent books he sent messengers he opened up the doors of his rahmah to us he showed us so many different ways of ibadah and especially he opened up this door of tawbah to us that we can repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala anytime we want unconditional subhanallah none of us would accept anything from anyone if somebody says, does something wrong to you and they try to apologize right, you won't even listen to their apology you want them to promise to you that they, they, they were wrong you want them to admit that they were wrong in front of everybody you want them to write a letter to you saying that I'm wrong Allah says that all you have to do is apologize to Allah in your heart the Prophet that remorse, regret simply the feeling of remorse and regret in your heart that is tawbah that is enough to repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala subhanallah that you can sin your whole life and just feel one drop of sincere and true remorse and regret that from the depth of your heart you truly repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you pledge to him to live a life according to the Quran, Sunnah and Sharia and that's it Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will immediately forgive you for all of your sins how generous how soft how kind the Lord and us in return we are absent minded we choose to neglect Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we choose never to think about Allah it's as if we're saying oh Allah you said in Quran that you are close to us you said in Quran that you were with us you said in Quran that you will forgive us you said in Quran that you will remember us but I'm not interested I'd rather just live my regular life the way it is yeah okay I'll come to the masjid every now and then and offer a couple of rakahs of salah but overall, I don't want you part of my life. That's what our actions mean. Actions speak louder than words. This is what our action is. Why? Because we don't think about Allah ever. We don't even fail to we even fail to remember Him in our salah. Allah said in Quran, "Aqimu salatulidikri." Establish the prayer for my remembrance. So everything in life should be done to fulfill the purpose. What is the purpose of salah? Allah has explained clearly for my remembrance so what do we think happens when we pray our salah and we offer those salah to Allah that salah which is actually devoid of his remembrance we don't feel him in our salah even our tongues are making zikr reciting Quran and even then our hearts and minds are absent thinking of what we did at work thinking of what we have to do at home thinking of whatever problem we have even worse sometimes planning our next sin thinking about sin engaging in memories of sin so is this Aqimu Salatu Nadikri? So the first step in, re- in increasing our love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is to make dhikr. It's to become a person who remembers Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all the time. To become a person who remembers Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 24 hours a day. Allah said in Quran, Ya ayyuhalladina amanukkurullaha dhikran kathira that all you who believe remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala an abundant remembrance now what does this mean how can we remember Allah 24 hours a day it's not possible I have to work I have to go to school I have to do so many things so this doesn't mean to remember him in your tongue it means you must remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in your heart that your heart must always remember Allah I'll give you a couple of examples 
Imagine if any one of you has your beloved daughter and you've sent her away, she's studying in some Darulum and some Institute of Islamic Learning. And then she calls you up on the phone and you tell her on the phone that, Oh Fatima, I miss you so much. I love you so much. I'm thinking about you all the time. And does it mean that you dropped your job, you're sitting in a corner saying, Fatima, 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 Fatima? No. It means that your heart, even though your body may be busy in your job, part of your heart is reserved for the love of Fatima. Part of your heart is always thinking about Fatima. You never forget about Fatima. Or think about the man who has a court case. That in one week's time, he has a oh, very big court case. So that court case, as they say, looms over his mind. It takes over his heart. No matter what he is doing, he's still going to the work, he's still meeting his friends, he's still doing everything he always did. But if you ever ask him any minute, did you forget that you had a court case? He says, no, 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 no. There's not a single second that I forget that I have this court date coming up. So it means from these examples that Allah has given us the ability to process thoughts in our background, to keep something going in the depth of our heart. So if we can use our mind and heart to always remember the court case, or the student can always remember the exam that he has coming up. Or we can use it to always remember some beloved one. So it means that Allah wants us to use our heart always in his remembrance. This is why it comes in Quran. Rijalun la tulhihim tijarutun wala bay'un an That they are such people that neither trade nor commerce nor buying nor selling kept them from the remembrance of Allah. It means they remembered Allah at all times. In another ayah, Allah says that you must remember him qiyaman muka'udan wa ala jinubihim Standing, sitting and lying on your sides. So there is no other fourth physical condition. So the way to remember Allah 24 hours a day is as follows. Simply you should just always think at least about the wujud, the existence of Allah. Ideally you should think that he is kareeb, he is close to me, he is, you can reflect on his ma'iyat, that he is with me. In your heart, check your heart throughout the day. That, oh my heart, were you remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And you'll find that you were totally absent-minded. You were just doing whatever you were doing. You were eating absent-mindedly. You were working absent-mindedly. So the second, it just takes a couple of seconds. You ask your heart that. And then you find it isn't remembering Allah. And you just think about Allah for a couple of seconds. Then you go back to doing whatever you're doing. Then a few moments later, check your heart again. If you do this even for a couple of days, but you do it properly, and you keep checking your heart over and over again, you will find that you will be able to bring Allah back into your life. You will be like those people who used to wander this earth, doing whatever they had to to earn the dunya, but their hearts were always lost in the thoughts of their beloved. So we have to make ourselves like that, step by step. So the first step to increase, or the first way to increase in our love for Allah is to do dhikr, is to remember Him at all times. To think about Him at all times. The second way is to follow the sunnah of the beloved messenger Both his apparent sunnahs, his inner sunnahs The sunnah of his character, the sunnah of his worship The sunnah of his dua And most importantly the sunnah of his love and fear for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Why? Because Allah says clearly in Quran قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهِ That O oh my beloved messenger وسلم, Tell the people إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهِ That if you claim that you love Allah if you wish to be admitted amongst the ranks of the muhibbin, admitted in the ranks of the lovers of Allah, then you must do something. In fact, you cannot attach yourself directly to Allah. You must go through the sunnah of the beloved messenger, so Allah commands the Prophet to say, فَتَّبِعُونِ 
that if you claim to love Allah, if you wish to Allah, follow the Prophet ﷺ. Okay Allah, if we follow the Prophet ﷺ, will you then accept us as your lovers? Will you then accept that we love you? Allah says not only will he accept that you, that you love him, Allah himself will love you. So you wanted to be the lover of Allah. Allah said follow the sunnah. He said, if you follow the sunnah, not only will I give you what you want, that you become my lover, but I will make you my beloved. So the way to become the beloved of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah will forgive you all for your sins as well. So the way to do that is to follow the sunnah. It means that each and every sunnah has some mahbubiyah, has some belovedness attached to it. The more and more sunnah you follow, the more and more beloved you will become in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now why is that? It's because Allah Taala is the creator. He's created everything in the universe. He is like the master architect of the entire universe. Now so many times we like to listen to talks about science. We like to hear about how incredible a creation the atom is with the electron making tawaf around the nucleus. Or we think about the human body. Or at the macro level we reflect on the majestic nature of our solar system, our galaxy, our cluster, our universe. And surely Allah's creation is vast and it is incredible. And for the people of reflection, there are many signs of Allah in His creation. But know that every architect has a masterpiece. If you go to an architect and you ask him, I want you to build my house, he'll say, this is my portfolio. But if you really want to see what a good architect I am, there's this one house that I designed that's my masterpiece. So no matter how incredible all of Allah's creation is, from the Adam to the universe know that the masterpiece of Allah's creation is the Sunnah of the Beloved Messenger It is the most perfect of all His creations. Each and every drop, each and every ounce, each and every aspect of the Sunnah is incredible. Whether it is the Sunnah appearance, the Sunnah dress, the Sunnah way of talking, the Sunnah way of sitting, the Sunnah way of eating, or even more the Sunnah way of worshipping. Each and everything about the Sunnah is absolutely perfect. That's why Allah Taala said in Quran Al-Karim, لَكَنْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولُ اللَّهِ أُسْمَةٌ حَسَنَةٌ That you have in the beloved messenger for you an uswatun hasana, a noble and a beautiful example. If anybody chooses enough to follow this example, it means what his actions are saying to give voice to his actions is, Oh Allah, you say this is a noble example, but I don't agree. I think the faces of the pop stars of the world are a noble example. I think the fashions of society are a noble example. I think the ways of my culture are a noble example. So, oh Allah, you might think it's a noble example, but for me, I'm above that. I'm beyond that. Al-Amanu al-Hafiz. The Prophet Muhammad each and everything about him, Armor Shaykh right, that the sun is like the sky. That if ever you need guidance in life, you can just look up at the sky, just like that in anything in your life, for any Muslim, in any place, in any time, until the Day of Judgment, if he ever needs guidance in his life on what to do in the way that is most pleasing and beloved to his Lord, he must simply look at the sunnah. So we must follow the sunnah more and more and we will increase, our hearts will increase in the love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And following the sunnah again means internalizing. For example, there's these sunnah du'as. After you eat, you should say Alhamdulillah. Before you eat, you should say Bismillah, etc., etc. And think about this. And when the Prophet Muhammad made these du'as, he didn't do them because they were sunnah du'as. Right? He did them because they reflected the inner condition of his heart. 
What does this mean that when he used to eat, he used to be so humble? The greatest of all creation, the Prophet of Allah, who receives revelation from Angel Jibreel when he's eating a simple piece of bread, even then he is so humble and he remembers his Lord and he thinks how gracious Allah SWT is that he fed him that after he used to eat from the depths of his heart, he used to say, Alhamdulillah. The praise of Allah SWT used to emanate from his heart. So that means that when we eat, it's not simply enough to just eat and talk and chat and at the end just say Alhamdulillah. That's like our salah. No feeling inside of it. So our sunnah du'as also have no feeling. It means that when you should eat, you should be conscious of the action that you're doing. You should realize that Allah Taala is hand feeding me. You should view every meal like that, that I'm being spoon fed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you view every meal like that, then your heart will say, Alhamdulillah. Then you will be saying the sunnah dua in the sunnah way with the sunnah state of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So the second way to increase in our love for Allah was to be people who follow the sunnah of the beloved messenger of Allah. Because Allah loves the sunnah name brand. All of us like our different name brands. Some of us like name brands and cars. I've noticed that people here in South Africa, they really like their cars. They like their German cars. Right? They can spot a Mercedes from a BMW from a mile away. They know all the different models and makes of a Volkswagen. So Allah SWT also can spot the sunnah from, a, from far away. Allah SWT also wants to see the sunnah name brand on the Day of Judgment. You'll see anybody who brings this brand of sunnah, keep him going. Send him straight to Jannah. Because it is the beloved brand of Allah SWT. The third way to increase in our love for Allah is to keep the company of those who love Him. Allah SWT commands in Quran Al-Kareem, Ya ayyuhallina amanu attaqullaha wa kunu ma'as-sadiqeen That all you who believe have taqwa. It means fear Allah. <coughs> fear Allah as He deserves to be feared. Know Allah as He deserves to be known. Love Allah as He deserves to be loved. The Mufassirin write here that whenever Allah SWT gives, not whenever, but often when Allah SWT gives a command in the Quran, Sometimes he gives an easy way to fulfill that command. So the command here was, Ya ayyuhalladina amunu taqullah. That become a person of taqwa. If we have spent our lives on our own individually, trying to become people of taqwa and we haven't succeeded, we've stayed at the same level. Our graph is plateaued off. No progress in our deen. No increase in our taqwa. It means that we need some help. We need some easy way to do taqwa. So Allah gave it to us in Quran and said, Kunu ma'as-sadiqin. That unite yourselves with the sadiqin. Unite yourselves. It doesn't simply mean keep the company of the sadiqin. If you look at this word kunu, just reflect on this word. And all of you know this Arabic word kun. Because all of you know when Allah wishes to create something, He says kun, fayakun. Be and it is. It means this word kun denotes your very being. It's invoking your very being. So when Allah SWT says, Kunu ma sadakin, He didn't say, Asmi us sadakin, He didn't say, Ati us sadakin, He didn't say, Fattabi us sadakin. Allah SWT said, Kunu ma sadakin, That unite your very being, Make your very cone, Make your very essence and being with the sadakin, with the people who are true. And this is a command that lasts until the Day of Judgment. It means there will always be sadakin. There will always be people if you keep the company of them, the love that they have for Allah will be transferred into your heart. This is why the Prophet even taught us to make dua. Allahumma inna as'aluka hubbaka 
that, O oh Allah, I ask of you that you increase me in my love for you. And you increase me in my love for those who love you. Why? Because the love for the lovers of Allah is the means for you to get the love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the third way to increase in our love for Allah is to keep the company of those people who love Him. That when we sit in their company, we feel ourselves the love for Allah increases in our heart. Like a person when he sits by the fire. He himself, he might not have any fire with him. But when he sits by the fire, he feels the warmth of the fire coming over him. So he knows now that I don't have my own fire. If I choose to go away, I will remain cold. But if I stay by the fire, at least I will get warm gradually and gradually and maybe one day my own flame will be lit in my heart. So the third way to increase in our love for Allah, three, third of the four ways, is to keep the company of those people who love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the fourth way and final way to increase in our love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is to like simply to become what we call a talib sadiq, to, to become a sincere and true seeker of Allah. And this is what the real tragedy is in our time. It's not that we don't love Allah or that we don't feel the qurb or the proximity of Allah or we are not aware of the ma'iyat or the presence of Allah. The tragedy of our time is that these things don't bother us at all. That our hearts are hardened so much that we don't even yearn to experience Allah. We don't even make this du'a. How many of us have even made this du'a? That, oh Allah, I'm so distant from you. Allah, I feel so far from you. You in Quran have said you are near to me. Ya Allah, I also want to fear your nearness. How many of us even make this du'a once, let alone that we should be making it regularly? We should be crying to Allah SWT every night that, oh Allah, I am so distant from you. You gave me the greatest gift in the world. You gave me yourself. Your qurb, your ma'iyat, your rahmah. You said you would remember me. You, the almighty being, you gave me your own self and I am so heedless, I am so unaware, I am distant from you. So that yearning, that's what talab is. It means to yearn in your heart to be close to Allah. Even if you just have that yearning, even if you just have that talab, if you light that flame of desire in your heart and you turn to Allah in dua, then Allah will surely answer your dua. He will surely draw you back into Him. Because if we feel distant from Allah, it's because we have pulled back. There's no way Allah will ever pull back from us. So we, or we are rather, we are sleeping. There's a likeness our Mashaikh say that a person goes to visit his friend and the friend is sleeping. So we sit by the friend and we don't want to wake them up. So they keep sleeping so in the end we leave. Then that person wakes up and tells them that oh your friend came to meet you but you were sleeping. He says oh why didn't you wake me up? I missed out on my friend. Just like that the hearts of the Muslims were sleeping. And Allah is our friend. Allah is our friend who is with us who is next to us who is close to us but we are unaware of his presence we are sleeping. If we don't wake up in this world and taste the pleasure of the companionship of Allah, then we will wake up to this reality in our grave or on the Day of Judgment. So my friends, it means that we should become people who love Allah SWT, who turn to Him on this way of dhikr, who remember Him in our hearts, who follow the sunnah of His beloved messenger, who keep the company of those who love Him and who light the flame of desire. We should begin to feel this emptiness, this void in our heart. This is the emptiness and the void that is not even supposed to be there in the heart of the believer. This is the void known as the void of kufr. That, we don't, that they don't have Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What an incredible tragedy it is that as Muslims, 
we have the same emptiness in our heart that we are distant from Allah may Allah give all of us the tawfiq to turn to him to love him to learn different ways of remembering him to become people who truly worship him and to become people who remember him in all times